Coming up, as the trade deadline approaches for the NBA, we take a look at Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets. What are the assets, both from a player and draft standpoint, that they'll be able to work with? How do we compare to some of the trades we've already seen gone down? And is it feasible for Brooklyn to make a sizable shift to this roster, understanding they will have their constraints? It's all a table setter for next week when things really start to bubble up. We dive in next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings from DraftKings to FanDuel. He's got you covered on YouTube as well, giving you those daily picks for the NBA season. I'm Adam Marbury, breaking down the New York Football Giants on the One Giant Podcast, my boy Andy Mack. We thank you for making us the first listen of the day and let you know today's episode is brought to you by... FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of the Locked On Network. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. And Doug, where we get started is setting the table here. Next week, the deadline, it's all going to start to build up. Some of the rumors will become more concrete, but there has been enough going on around the NBA that we can start to give a framework, I think, for reasonable expectations around how Sean Marks and the Nets can improve this team. Ah, uh, reasonable expectations. That is the old, that's the, <laughs> the that's thing the you hardest. never say about the Brooklyn Nets. Reasonable. The hardest nut to crack is the reasonable <laughs> expectations crowd because we, uh, this is, we've been, we're admired in a, what are reasonable expectations with this team? It's impossible. But, you know, in terms of trade deadline stuff, things will obviously really ramp up uh, next week as things get closer to the deadline. Said it on the podcast yesterday, but uh, there's a reason they have a deadline. It's so that everyone can wait till the last second to do things, just like regular humans in their own life where they just say, <laughs> oh, there's a deadline. I'll just do it like when it's like 48 hours away. I need not start things two weeks before. That would be insane. Um, the term paper will get done the night before, not you know the three months before when it was uh, assigned. Trade deadline works the same way. Nothing happens at all, and then everything happens at once, and then you die. <laughs> I, I, do my, I do my best work under pressure. That's kind of where I thrive. So I uh, that old chestnut, yeah, that old chestnut that's not true for anybody, but everyone believes it to be the case for themselves. Yeah, so I think that it is interesting of where the Nets are right now in terms of this. I do think there's almost definitely – and I'd be happy to be wrong about this, but I think there's definitely a gap between what the expectation is among maybe, let's say, fans and what the reality is around assets and actual tradable pieces for the Nets. I, we'll get into some of those things, and I'm sure it's going to be something we discuss over the next week or two, or excuse me, over the next week. But I, I do think there's at least some gap. The gap might not be as wide as I think it is, but there's at least some gap between the level of player fans would like slash the nets could really need mm -hmm. and what's reasonable given the current state of their assets um on the team both in, for, in the form of picks and, and contracts yeah and i think on the back end of the episode i want to tap into that a little bit deeper around where the nets stood as an organization coming into the year all things considered and where they think they are assuming when kevin durant comes back right and i think we've been on that ride too the roller coaster of 
Well, when KD goes down, you start losing games, you start really getting pretty critical on the roster or Ben Simmons and how he's been performing. So I want to tap back into that. But one of the things that I also thought was interesting here at the top is the LA Lakers who coming into the season did feel like, and we did crossovers with the Kamenetsky brothers about feeling the same kind of boat, like a lot of talent on these rosters, not so sure what the expectations would be. And they went out and executed a trade with the Wizards going back just a little less than a week now for Ruri Hachimura. And I thought this was an interesting one to examine from the level of, in this trade, they sent out, the Lakers did, uh, Kendrick Nunn and three second-round draft picks in 23, 28, and 29, as reported by Adrian Wojnarowski. I'm curious about what your opinion is of Rui and that trade, but also the idea of, the Nets should be able to achieve something like that. And this is going to a team that has a guy in his fourth year is going to be looking up, you know, you know, could be talking about contract and things like that over the next season or two, but he's a plug in. He's a plug in contributor day one, going to the Lakers. I was, I'm sure that Nets fans see that and whether or not they wanted that player, they still look and go, the Lakers just pulled it off and they have some of the very similar constraints that the Nets do. Okay. So this is interesting because I think Hachimura is an interesting test case of NBA trade deadline, like talent infusion and like reality about what a player actually is. Right. Okay. So the there's, and plus there's a lot of context around the Hachimura thing. I don't want to make this a podcast, all Hachimura based um, just because it's the Nets podcast and he's already been traded, but so a couple of things are at play here. Yeah, and, One, and the high Wizards, level about high level. Here's the thing with Hachimura. Exactly. He, the Wizards were not going to resign him. He is not really very good <laughs> and like, but, but his name rings out cause he was a high draft pick and he had some other things going for him. Yeah. He like, there's a reason he goes for a bunch of second rounders. They weren't going to end up bringing him back. And like, if this isn't just my opinion. This is, I think basic, like most NBA analyst opinions that like, maybe you can turn him into something, but he's not exactly plug and play for like a good playoff roster. Probably. Right. right. And so Yes, I agree with you that like maybe guys like this with good pedigree, let's call them a good pedigree, not fully realized on this on the talent thing yet, mm-hmm. um, could be available. And that's always interesting. And, you know, for second round picks, that's a pretty low price to pay for maybe, you know, you could turn them into something with upside. But I would caution people about believing that a guy like Hachimura was like a game changer for any of these teams. He's just not. I, I, I think that his name rings out further than the actual skill set does. Like this guy shoot, was shooting 22% from three this year. He's like wow. a t- 35% career three point shooter. He shoots l- tons of long twos. We just saw it in the game against the Nets last yeah. night where he just wants to get in the lane, take some weird contested long two. He's got a great, you know, big body. I don't know. My point is, like, if the Nets gave up a second round pick for Roy Hachimura, I'd probably be like, hey, that's cool. It's an interesting, it's an, that's an interesting um, flyer. flyer to take on a guy. But, that should not be the kind of guy that probably the Nets are going to be targeting here and definitely would not be a needle mover. And that is where the Nets are in a very interesting spot. Whoever they trade for here, maybe you disagree, but it would seem to be if you're going to send assets out here, it has to be for a real needle mover. I think it's going to be hard to do the, like, we'll take a flyer guy. I think it's going to be hard to do a lateral move. I think the Nets are in a weird spot where it's hard to know exactly what they need. Like, so I, I don't know. But the Hachimura thing I think is interesting because I think there's a, a gap between the perception of that move and the reality of that move. Yeah, and I, I, I do tend to agree with you. And it's funny because you just said it there. There, to me, 
the move that the Nets need to make, and we'll talk a little bit more as, as the episode moves along here, but if you're going to make a move, it needs to be a sig- you know, significant is putting in this context of you know, bringing a star. That's not what I mean. But it needs to be someone that has a significant impact on the rotations and on the yes. roster. And when it comes to, we're using Hachimura as the example, but there's dozens of guys like this that are going to get talked about around the deadline. And if you tell me one second round pick, I'll take that flyer on a guy that may not be here a year from now, a year, a half, a year and a half from now, qualifying offer north of $8 million going into the following season, right? He may not be here again, any of these players. But three second round picks? I know that those are a crapshoot and those are a flyer, but more than anything, those second round picks are usually, we'll toss one in to make this deal work. We'll throw one over here to get some money off the book. So sometimes giving up that much capital can actually hurt you with other ancillary moves you're going to make. And from a Lakers standpoint right now, and this goes for a lot of teams, I think the Lakers are, are a more desperate team than the Nets are in this current moment. So depending on where your desperation level is and what you think the next 30, 35 games is going to look like, you kind of need to take a shot on somebody that can get some scoring for you, that can give you a little bit of consistency and maybe benefit off the personnel you have. And I think that that's that's my universal here. These types of moves, this type of player that has name recognition, like you said, doesn't necessarily mean what you think on paper it's going to. And I think that sets up for disappointment for the fan base. Yeah, and I think, and that's definitely what we're just going to break down here in a second. Is that, like, what are the actual needs? Like, what are the needs compared to their assets, and what will actually change things for the Nets? Like, what? Because yeah. what? It's not. It's lateral moves for this team are not. No one needs to make a lateral move. Like, they need to make a, a you know use it all move, or maybe holster it and wait. I, I'm not sure. Like, they're in a really really weird spot, and we're going to break some of those considerations down next. First, we're going to tell you about our friends over at FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're very excited about our new sports betting partner, the folks over at FanDuel. Uh, for Lockdown, they're the number one sports book in America. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that makes betting on sports very fun, extremely easy. You download the FanDuel right now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 in a no-sweat first bet. Wait to hear this. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. $3,000 back in bonus bets if that first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score the first t- touchdown. If you're over on FanDuel right now, obviously they're going to be crushing it on NBA. They're crushing it going into the Super Bowl. Got a lot of time before we get into that one right now. I still like Chiefs plus one and a half. Um, I think that, that it just it was a little, little confusing to me about why the Eagles were minus one and a half. You go take advantage of some of this stuff over at our friends at FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, super easy to use. Best of all, you get paid your winnings instantly. Hosts, feel, um, excuse me, so join uh, today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your first no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel official sportsbook partner of the NFL. And two hosts telling you, about what's coming up next for the Brooklyn Nets. I was talking. I was. I was. I started thinking about. Yeah, I started thinking about hosting my own thing during. during, during the <laughs> there you go. Um, but no, the so here's the way I want to frame this because we were talking before we got on, and more names and specific kind of scenarios are going to come out as we move along. So rather than there's so many names from a bigs perspective, guys, you want to add to the front court. But the more interesting thing to me is when we talk about how can the Nets go about accomplishing this. 
The one nugget that I'll throw out there is that as teams are talking about wanting to try to trade for one Nas Reed, the Denver Wolves are reportedly talking about extending him. Now, that can be a smokescreen. It can also be a reality check of young players can have short and long-term value for their current team. So it's not so easy as just looking around across the landscape and saying, thank you, I'll take one of those to improve my roster. But whether it is that or any scenario like this, do you agree? Because my thinking is, that if the Nets want to move the needle for a team in a way that they can't match other offers from around the league, especially bad teams, teams that are looking to jettison some young talent coming up at the end of their contracts, this is where an $18, $19 million Joe Harris becomes a selling point of what we're giving you is not Joe Harris's $18 million contract this year, but you will take that money. We're also giving you a guy who you have under contract next year and could be very desirable at the deadline. So in a lot of ways, Sean Marks is probably going to find himself doing some pitching of, I'm giving you an asset. This is potential first-round pick value for you. You just got to go ahead and hold on and hope that it appreciates in value over the next 12 months, right? And that's it's a hard sell, but I think that's a big component of what they're going to have to do if they want to get a significant piece. Yeah, so Harris is the probably the most interesting piece uh, here just because mostly because of the salary, honestly. Like because most times when you're trying to trade for a guy from another team, it's a depreciating asset on some money and you need a salary match. Just as some housekeeping here with the Nets in terms of assets that they have, they have Air Harris's 18 million dollar a year contract that can look it, it really is. That's the beauty is the eye of the beholder here. I, like there's some teams are going to look at that as like a negative value. And there's some teams are going to look at positive. It kind of like depends on how bad you need to match the contract based on his play. They have uh Patty Mills at six and a half. Uh, I mean, that probably helps you with the money and not much else. They have Curry at eight and a half that is, and he's expiring. So you, you know, the, the money's off the books and he still has, you know, NBA value. Even if we can debate what his, uh, what his playoff value might be. And then and in terms of picks, on the, just quickly on the Seth Curry, the good point on the, on the expiring that changes the value you're sending someone, right? Cause now you're not sending the retained value that you, you know what I mean? So it, it that impacts mm -hmm. the way that you put these assets together to get someone. Yes, exactly. And then violent. I mean, and obviously the easiest big salary to match would be Ben Simmons at 35 and change. Um, I would say that that is almost definitely no way that can happen based on the current state of his, like just sort of body and play. So I don't, I'm throwing it out there because it's, he's on the team and he makes money, <laughs> but like, I don't, I, I think that like, that would be such a hard sell uh, to be actually a package. And then real quick picks they have this year, they have th their own this year. And then they have uh, a Philly pick that's coming in nothing in 24 couple seconds in 25 and 26 and then they have the 27 and 28 uh first rounder excuse me they have one uh, philly 27 uh first rounder and then a 28 so really in terms of like picks it's kind of this year's draft or bust when mm -hmm. it comes to being able to send anything out um and so that's what they're dealing with in terms of of, of assets quote unquote and i'll tell you right now like that package of cumulative what i just listed right here is not very good <laughs> Like it's not very good compared compared to especially if there's like bidding wars or anything yep. like that. Yep. There are so many teams. And by the way, a lot of these teams end up buying for the same guys because there's only so many guys being traded. And a lot of teams will be able to outbid them in terms of on on team talent, matching salaries ever and picks. Like that's just where they sit with their assets. No, and that, that's what I think is the, the hardest the hardest part is the cupboard is pretty bare. The hardest part is that some of your biggest price tag players either don't feel movable at all or come with some inherent risk around them. And 
I just, I wonder, this is what I wonder, because I want to actually, I'm going to ask you, a, we'll say coming up here, a Ben Simmons question that I have for you. But we said at the top, how desperate do the Brooklyn Nets feel yeah. in this moment? You know, not for nothing. They've now won a few games again. And while we can sit here and say it's the Lakers when they didn't play anybody, we, we keep going back to the old adage. You can only play the guys that are on your schedule. If you're picking up these wins and you're treading water, and we know what the team looked like when, when Kevin Durant was out there. I wonder how much the needle is moving inside of the organization relative to the way the perception feels, right? Kevin Durant's healthy and on the court. If Nick Claxton keeps taking these big steps forward, if you have guys like Royce and Joe and Curry and you know this rotating cast of guys that when they're on can, can shoot the lights out like they did two games ago when it was 55% from deep, like that's the kind of roster you go, We'll take our chances because any other version of it, I think involves packaging and selling almost everything you possibly can to go make a real significant move. And then that means if it works, it's great. And if it doesn't, it's over because then you're making no moves in the future, no moves over the next two seasons, no draft capital. And it really, it makes things look pretty bleak if you don't convert on going all in and this is a team and a gm and an owner that have taken the swings like don't forget not too far removed from swinging for james harden and having that blow up in their face and find themselves now with an asset in ben simmons that is maybe blowing up in their face as well and that's where i think the nets could be a little risk averse here Okay, so I will say in terms of desperation, desperation is what they were last year when Harden wanted it out and it was like unclear and like Kyrie's a part-time player and you just right. don't, and Katie's hurt and like that's desperation. I actually don't think the Nets are in that situation this year. I, I think that like for, you know, either good or bad, like that was a desperate situation. It was like Harden's not going to resign. We're going to lose him for nothing. This guy wants out of here. We already gave everything up to get him. Mm -hmm. This is becoming a disaster. That's desperation. This is not desperation in the same context because one of these guys are locked up a little more long-term. Like I think there's a real world scenario where Kyrie probably ends up resigning if just his level of play sticks around this level, right? Like sticks around this level without any major dust-ups in the, like in the personal sphere, which don't seem like they're coming around the corner right now. Mm -hmm. I think that he's a good candidate to be resigned here. I think from that standpoint, you don't have to be as desperate because even if it didn't work out perfectly this year, you could still continue to tell yourself something of a story about this team, which was harder to do than it was last year. Last year was like, we're about to lose Harden. He's not going to resign here. We're best. We're going to do a sign and trade or something. We're going to get like nothing back. Let's get him for Simmons. We don't know what Simmons is. We'll take some picks from Philly. Like, I don't know. I get why they did that at the time. Like, it makes sense. I think you can tell yourself a story with this Nets team that you don't have to be in that total swing or just like all or nothing deal right now. You still have Katie under contract. He could always ask for a, a trade tomorrow. I It's clear they're not getting their best out of Simmons now, but if you think, hey, another six months of health and recovery, maybe we start to get there. It looks different. I, I'm just talking about the stories you can tell mm -hmm. you. You get Kyrie locked up long-term, whether you think that's good or bad. It's at least he's there, you know, I mean, like, so I think that they're just in a different situation and that would be where I would probably pause and not unload the rest of the, the clip here, like on whatever else, because you'd have to be like totally positive that it was going to win you the championship. I think like, right. unless you were sure, like sure that it would make you the favorites right then, maybe you don't win, but at least you're the favorite to win the championship. 
short of that move, I actually don't think I would do it for this season. And I'm sure that there's folks out there that are going to vehemently disagree with me on that. But the, I don't know. I'm just trying to think a little bit more long-term. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. Because again, this is a team that on paper has looked like they could be a deep playoff run roster the last couple of years. And it hasn't panned out that way. So if you make a significant move, it has to mean game seven, conference championship, looking to go to the final. Like it has to be that level of a mover. And coming up in a second here, I'm going to mention two names that we've discussed and have been on our radar and a big reason why it'll be hard for Brooklyn to get there, along with a question for Doug Norrie about one Ben Simmons. All right, looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and calories. You have to try a Built Bar. We've been talking about Built Bar forever, and frankly, because it's easy. They give us the re-up every month, all the different flavors. It's a it's a cavalcade of flavors that are coming down in the Built Bar way, and they have the stats to back it up. They have churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. That's just some of the new ones. They have all the timeless flavors as well. You get into the Built Bar, you get the stats that you need, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, whopping 17 grams of protein. If you're looking for a way to stay healthy or in the new year, you're trying to undo some of that holiday stuff, you're trying to stick with a regiment that's going to keep you going, keep you kind of full but not overloading on the calories, Built Bar is the way to go. You can get them at Built.com. You can also stop at Sam's Club. They have them at Walmart. They have them in the pharmacy section. You can grab yourself a box there. Like I said, cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs. Like the list is endless. If you're Like I said, with Sam's Club, you run in, you grab a 13-box bar uh, bar box with uh, the hip flavors like brownie batter and churro. Like I said, I can spend all day just reading you the flavors. They're available wherever you do your shopping, or you can go to Built.com. Okay, so... Um... The first thing that I want to kind of clear off the deck here is approaches. And maybe you said things that we could be proven wrong on. So I had long ago said how Alex Caruso is the apple of the Brooklyn Nets eye in terms of someone that could really add into their backcourt. And we can include whether it's Nas Reed or a player that you had mentioned the other day, uh, like Jay Crowder, who you're waiting to hear. What is Phoenix going to do? God, these guys are intriguing. But. When you go over on it, people are speculating about these. These aren't reports. These are just rumored. But when you hear speculation that a team that could really be benefited by going out and acquiring an Alex Caruso, like the New Orleans Pelicans, here's why it becomes difficult for the Nets. The Pelicans have two first-round picks in the oh, upcoming dude, yeah. They have two first, sorry, <laughs> three first-round picks in 2024, yeah. two first-round picks in 2025, two in 26, two in 27, and one in 28 and 29. And that's and one of those is the Lakers pick. Like they have like they, right. So they have, yeah, yeah. is from the, from the hole they took in from the LA Lakers in the Anthony Davis trade. And this is why it becomes difficult for Brooklyn, because if a team decides that this is a player they want in on a lot of other rosters and organizations are going to be able to say, we'll go that extra mile. Like we were just talking about, well, if the Nets put in two first round picks and a second, and then another first round pick, they got nothing left. It's over. They're not going to have anything to work with in the next five to six years. Okay, and, and that could be fine if it moves the needle. But other teams are going to get to throw in that extra little chip that the Brooklyn Nets just simply aren't going to have. And that's where I think just right at the top, it, it eliminates so many high-level options and does start to have me thinking about one of two things, names that aren't the sexiest or buyout market guys. And we'll talk oh, about that well, too, because as the yeah. trade deadline approaches and comes to its conclusion, if the Nets haven't made a move, then I think we will start to hear those discussions around who's the other, you know, who's a player that you might see get dumped. And then the Nets could bring them in and take a flyer on them. 
So this is, and this is again where it gets weird because if there becomes bidding wars for real players, like like an OG Ananobi, like a Siakam, guys I that are real, names, like, word, yeah. well, these are like real, these are like real guys, yeah. like that could like be on you know closing lineups in 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 high leverage playoff series. Those teams, like the Nets, are going to be pot stuck on those because they're just not going to be able to get into bidding wars with New Orleans, with Memphis. Like Golden State has stuff they can deal, right? Yep. Like these other teams have just a lot more. Not every team, like some teams are are dry, you know, like the Timberwolves and Cavs and teams like this that have already made their move. But there are teams out there that have plenty to offer. So any of those real dudes like that, the Nets are even Caruso. They're asking. I think the the rumor was they wanted two first round picks for him. Like, are you giving up two first round picks for Alex Caruso? Like, I'm not sure the Nets can you know, justify making a move like that as much as we like him. Mm-hmm. So it, it just becomes this weird thing where like any real guy, and by real guy I mean, hey, oh that guy's on the court closing right. a playoff series, right? Like, Which, by the way, um, let me jump in real quick. When people are talking about. I've heard drumming get brought back up. I've heard, you know, every old bag of bones that you want to drag in here from Boogie Cousins to bring in Dwight Howard from overseas. Like the guys, to your, to your point, I'm only taking a guy that plugs in on a closing lineup. I'm not bringing in an innings eater. We've talked about or, that before the Nets. That's not what they need right now. For, for or is he young or is young and you can yes. talk yourself into it. Like it's young and blocked. Like Nas Reed is like a young player that's blocked I, in their current, in their, in their current form. It's like, he's young. He like extendable it's be hard. with Claxton. You can see a future. It's going to be hard. Like if they resign, it's a cat and go bear future there. Like what's his future, right? Like, mm-hmm. like, so that's, that's the one other scenario where it's like, okay, a young guy that's blocked. This is like where the Bamba thing becomes a, okay, whatever. Mo Bamba. Would it be interesting? Yeah. Do I think he's like, wins them the championship? No, but if you do it for like a second round, a couple second round picks for Mo Bamba. Yeah. Okay, great. Let, let's let, let, I think that's something to think about. Um, so this is where the it's a scale around what they're sending out. What I'm talking about right now for this purposes of this is like when we get into sending out the first round picks that they have left or a guy like Harris, who, whatever you think about them, he can play in the playoffs. I, like I get that. I'm sure there's going to be a gajillion comments here about Joe Harris in the playoffs. He can play. He can play in the playoffs. Like, is he the best version of the guy you want? No, but he can, he can be on the court in a playoff in a leverage playoff series. He was on the court when they faced the Bucks. In game seven of that series where they lost by one, by, you know, Durant's foot on the line, he didn't make any shots and they probably would have won. He was there. <laughs> right? yeah. so, so, so anyway, point being like when we're starting to talk about sending these guys out yeah. and the real stuff they have, it has to be for like a real thing or a flyer on a Hachimura or a Bamba mm-hmm. or a Nas Reed. And maybe those, those guys are different. Like I, I, these are all different conversations and I just hope that people are thinking about them as different things. Like you have to silo these things. Right. Each of these things have to be a different silo of how you're thinking about what the nets are going to send out. If it's two first round picks and a, and a contract for John Collins, do not do it. <laughs> right. Like if it's, that's by the way, another, just another really good point to bring up here is the both and not only giving up assets and capital to go get someone, but especially someone like a John Collins who also needs the contract. Like, you know, it's yeah. one thing to take a guy either that you have a little bit of control over or that's young enough that the next contract isn't going to look as, as seismic as you might you know, have it be if it was a name recognition like a John Collins. But Collins is going to look for a big contract. So now you're talking about getting another dude that wants 25, 30, 30 plus million dollars a year. That's a hard pill to swallow if you're also sending out the multiple first round picks and whatever else it may take. So that's a really good point to bring up too. The, the thing that I wanted to just touch on here is because I, I thought about this the other day. The Ben Simmons piece of this to me is fascinating 
there is no world that this is the best version of what Ben Simmons is going to be for the rest of his career. I don't believe. I think that I think you agree with me. I agree with you. Yes, the I injury, agree. That this is the injury is still real. Yes. That you never should real. judge a guy by when they're injured. Like I yeah. agree. I agree with that. Yes. So so that's where his state is. Is there any scenario where you think that he's not going to get better this year? And this short long-term game that the Nets are playing, he's under contract. We all get that. But is there any world where like is there any world where you will you take the pennies on the dollar to get him out of here if you think there's a different version of this Kevin Durant extended Kyrie Irving, Nicholas Claxton next big step scenario that because Simmons hasn't been high impact this year, you could actually remove him and not think that it changes what you are this season. We know what high level Simmons means for this team this season, but if he's never going to get there, is it is it worth it to think about that? Um, I mean, it's always worth it to think about it. It's just the problem is even selling pennies on the dollar at this point is almost impossible because because of the, how much money he makes, yeah. right? So like, um, like for instance, like even if like, let's just like these crazy scenarios, like let's say you even wanted to trade him for Russ right now. Like for some reason, the Lakers were like, Hey, we'll rehab. We'll come to LA. We have a great medical staff, whatever. Like the Lakers told themselves, this is like just not true, but like the Lakers told themselves this whole story. Right. Cause you're like, okay, let's find some negative asset contracts around the league. Russ is like the, is like the prime example of this. They actually, at that point he makes too much. Like that's sort of the throw in more salary. So it's like, well, now you're paying more salary to get off Simmons for a negative contract. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so that doesn't work. Right, exactly. It has to be like something like that. It has to be because otherwise they can't do it. So you can't do it. You can't, you couldn't even do that, even if the Lakers could talk themselves into that situation, which I was like, oh, I could probably actually think about that. Russ off the books, whatever. Like they saved the money. I don't know, whatever. Right, right. Um, then the other version of it is like where you pile enough contracts together to come back. So it's like, I'm making this up because I don't even think you do it. Let's say like the Clippers could talk themselves into it. And it's like Norman Powell and Robert Covington or things like that together. Right. Like this is like, they wouldn't even do that. So I, I guess my my long story short is even if you wanted to sell them pennies a dollar, it would be so hard to even start that because you were never getting back the, in his current state right now, knee soreness, trouble staying on the court for long stretches, inability, in, in, not wanting to take shots when he's near the rim, like all these other things that are around him. There's no way they're ever getting someone younger and better coming back, right? No. Just for starters. Like, that's yeah. never happening. Now, younger and better will never happen. Um, younger and projects to be better would not would never happen. Um, younger and projects to be a little worse would never probably happen, <laughs> right? So, like, all these pieces becomes, I just don't even think, even if they said to themselves, we have to move them, and Simmons was like, you have to move me. Let's say it was just even a situation like that. Everyone, like, agreed. I want to be traded. Everyone agreed. I still think that even the mechanics about it would be so hard because I just don't even know what team is talking to themselves into $35 million a year, Ben Simmons for or 30, $40 million a year, Ben Simmons in two years from now, you can't. So with that being in, with that in mind, the Nets best version of themselves is to work their absolute hardest to just get him back to the, the peak version of himself. Like, I, I think that they just, that can only be, there's only one path here. I, th- I think that that's, at least for right now, that's the only path with him. And luckily that path for him has them being a very good team, <laughs> but it's just, it's just not, it just, we're, it, it does. It sometimes can feel like we're lo- looking at a, that's very far away. Cause there's so many things in between where he is now and that ultimate conclusion. I know we're going to wrap up, but for, uh, first and foremost, I got to thank Doug. 
Doug, Doug's brain does not work inside of the hyped, totally hypothetical, the what if scenarios, but he danced himself down that road with the Ben Simmons conversation, because I think it is at least, it's an interesting discussion point because there's a world. No, I've thought about this a lot. I, yeah. I ran, I, the reason I, I know the Westbrook thing, the reason I, I know the Westbrook thing is because I ran that. I was like, I would, I would have thought about that. If that was like a one-to-one thing and the Lakers could tell themselves a story or whatever, I'm not saying I would have done it, but it wouldn't have been a hard no, <laughs> right? right? Like it wouldn't, because I just, I'm, I'm very worried about the long-term future for Simmons and maybe some people aren't going to want to hear that. It's really not even anti-Simmons. It's just like, I'm concerned that this is a lot of money for a guy who might have a bunch of medical stuff here and back, yeah. struggle to stay on. And I know, look, he's not that far away from back surgery and I, I get all this. I, I'm, I'm aware. I, I like, by the way, to be good because we talked about the highest level of Ben Simmons, but there's the world where get a full year away from the back. He's still a guy that ha- has always had trouble being an offensive weapon, has always had some restrictions or limitations. The best version of what he's been in his career could certainly help this team win a championship, but there's no guarantee of that. And that's why I think these things are interesting to talk about. We'll come in um, maybe end of this week or next week and continue this conversation as some of these things start to ramp up. But just in case you're wondering, Doug, crunch the numbers, not a big deal. We can go ahead and send Ben Simmons down to Orlando for a package involving Terrence Ross, Gary Harris, and Mo Bamba. And listen, it's not even about the assets in return. Just take the money for us and give us back a few pieces. I think I've already cracked this deal. They've already got a point guard that can't really shoot in faults. I don't but think now they we wanna... have another one. <laughs> they can have another <laughs> one, though. I, I thought about that Orlando thing about whether or not they would I, want to put the guard. He's just not the kind of guard that they need. Um, and I know this is running long, but I think like any, just any of these things, think of any player in the league around these discussions, selling to a team that's bad that, Hey, maybe you get the value of this player. That's different than like the Lakers, than the Clippers, than teams that want to be winning right yeah, now. You're point. selling yeah. a bad team. You can actually get, you might be eight to 10 wins better next year. If Simmons hits his stride, that might be the only Avenue out. Not that it's a high likely one. And I want to make sure we just clear this all up before we get out the door. These are, this was setting the table for expectations for what the Nets can accomplish. They don't have a lot of assets. They don't necessarily have a lot of tradable players per se. And if you want to make that seismic move, it should only be if it significantly moves the Brooklyn Nets in the direction of being able to compete and potentially win a championship this year. All right, we're going to get out of here. Make sure you subscribe over on YouTube. We're going to be coming at, at you live uh, live after every game. We'll be there after the game on Wednesday. If so you're listening to this in the morning, we'll be after the Wednesday's game. Make sure you jump into YouTube live. Really appreciate everyone, hundreds and hundreds of people for every episode. It's awesome. Make sure you subscribe to Lockdown Nets on YouTube. Don't you realize the next time you see the sky, it will be over another town. The next time you take a test, it'll be in some other school. Our parents, they wanted the best stuff for us. But right now, they got to do what's right for them because it's their time. Their time up there. But down here, it's our time. Down here, it's our time. That's all over. The second, no, 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 Doug, you wait. That's all over. The second that we ride up Troy's bucket. That's right. From the oh, you got to tell me who that is, man. $50 bills, baby. (laughs) Some of the all-time greatest poets over there on the Goonies. (laughs) <laughs> that's awesome it's all right fun. we're gonna be back again tomorrow talking oh, more Brooklyn basketball <laughs>